Hello and welcome to post-match reaction to the Pumas versus the All Blacks, brought to you by Driving Mall and Real Mike Pullman. Hi, I'm Paul, the guy behind Driving Mall, and I have with me Mike, the guy behind Real Mike Pullman. How are you doing, sir? Said that twice, buddy. Yeah, it's good to be here. <laughs> Absolutely. Right then. So, um, I guess the uh, the first question off the rank are the all are the All Blacks a um, a half hour team now. Oh, I think without doubt, you know that that second half was was pretty terrible. Um, you know, despite the late try and really nice to see Havili, you know, get his debut finally and score. But I mean, man, what a what a game of two halves, and um, the All Blacks really need to work on on whatever the the team talkers at half time because they've been terrible. Well, yes, and they ran out to a 29-3 lead by about the 27th minute, I think it was. Um, and uh, then for those of you who are listening back to this, uh, the final score was 10 to Argentina and 36 to New Zealand. But New Zealand didn't score between the um, 27th minute and the 80th minute. Um, so we had that big gap of, uh, of, of not quite an hour um, of play without any um, All Blacks score, which is very uncharacteristic of this side. But um, let's deal with the positives first and how they kick the game off. Uh, lots of width and uh, lots of penetration of the uh, Argentinian defence. Yeah, um, and I think, you know, Naholo had a, a massive impact on, in that opening 20 minutes. You know, every time he got the ball, he, he did something. Um, Fort Kieran Reid as well was, was pretty good in that in that first 20 but you know i think it, it, just the attitude of the pumas starting the game they they, they just weren't there their, their mind wasn't in it and you can see that right from the very kickoff you know yeah i mean we had the swap penalties before um the first try but we obviously we had kieran reed go in um out wide again uh, on the right wing on um naholo's wing um, as you say then we had naholo take uh, well we had a um uh, DMAC, uh, who will try, I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about in a few minutes. Um, then Naholo um, play, took a great ball off Barrett um, out on the right there and, and went in for his try as well. So, and was, as you say, Naholo was making um, good ground out there, uh, was um, breaking tackles. Uh, and um, if we look at the stats, yep, um, eight runs for um, 58 metres with four defenders beaten. So clearly, yeah, he had a um, he had a good a good time out there, uh, breaking some tackles. Didn't look like he'd been away really, uh, and uh, but we didn't. Um, I don't think we saw it. We didn't see him kick the ball or uh, any more of a rounded game. It was a very much that um, that go forward uh, style that we uh, that we kind of uh, know him for and, and what and yeah, what his game is all about. Yeah, and and you know he he injected himself into the game, which was really good to see. I guess. You know, you're very hungry, aren't you? You know, after you've been away for so long. And, and just on Damian McKenzie, I mean, yeah, he, he was a, another one that I thought had a really, really good game in that first half. Um, you know, it was a shame to to not see him really have a go at, at 10, as we, we thought we might. But um, I, I think the discipline, though, from Argentina was probably half the story in that first half. It was absolutely abysmal. And I mean, for the guy who has just come back, I forget his name, just come back, 
after being told, you know, think about your discipline, think about what you're doing on the field, to come back and play like that is just, you know, I, I've got nothing to say. Yeah, I mean, both the locks uh, for Argentina were giving away silly penalties um, early on. And obviously, um, Lavanini was the one that picked up a yellow card uh, in, in that um, in that period. Uh, but um, before we move on to that, let's yeah, let's just talk about um, uh, Damien McKenzie a bit more. He was breaking the line. He was a top meter runner um, in this game, uh, and um, I, but I think this was his kind of game. He he wasn't challenged uh, under the high ball uh, on receipt of balls. He chased high balls and gathered them well, uh, but actually defensively he wasn't asked to do much under the high ball. Uh, there wasn't really the challenge there, uh, but he had the space to play with and he made the most of that. He also defended well when there was a break by Argentina in the second half. Uh, he, it was one on two and he covered both players. So a good game from him, but a game that I think fitted his game style pretty much down to a tee. Honestly, um, what you just said, really, when I was, I was thinking as you said that, everything is pointing to this guy being a number 10. And I cannot understand, I agree with Joshua, what the hell are the All Black coaches doing? Because he needs to be given a fair go here. And yes, he wasn't tested under the high ball, but guess what? He probably won't be if he plays at 10. So, I mean, when are you going to pull the trigger? And and I, I just... He had the perfect opportunity in this game. Give Barrett a bit of a rest in that second half. And and the only reason I think they left Barrett on the field was because um, of his leadership. You know, he used to have a, a decent game. But with the scoreline, you, you've got to pull the trigger on that. And, and it baffles me they didn't. Uh, to, well, I guess I'll, I'll counter by saying I think that the time to do it is after he's had a Super Rugby season at 10 which will be next year. Next year, um, he's going to get a whole Super Rugby season at 10. He's going to have time to acclimatise to 10. He's going to have time um, to, to get used to it. Uh, as we saw in when he got given the 10 jersey for the Maori All Blacks, uh, he th didn't have the time or, uh, on, on the ball uh, and there was, was shown up for not being comfortable in that position. And so personally, I think yeah, long term, he's going to be a 10 but let's wait until he gets a season under his belt with um, uh, with the Chiefs because he's going to be the first choice 10 there now that um, Aaron Cruden's moved on. Yeah, but I mean, with, with that said, though, you know, in McKenzie's mind, he's got to be thinking, well, he probably isn't thinking it because he's a confident player, but what if he gets injured, you know, and he's out for the whole season next year? The, the type of player he is, he's playing, you know, I forget the phrase, but he's 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 not far away from one hit and the season's over. So, you know, uh, Chiefs or not the Chiefs, I think maybe the end of the year tour, you've got to, you've got to experiment. Uh, maybe the end of the year tour, I, I, I can't remember. Uh, the All Blacks have got France twice, uh, Wales and somebody else, I think, from memory. Um, having played Italy last year, I can't see them play. I don't think it's Italy. So they're not, there's not going to be an easy game except maybe that midweek one against France because they're playing them. Uh, they'll be playing sort of more of a B-side in that one. So we'll see if he gets a, a shout then. But um, as I, I think next year, after he's had that Super, super Rugby one, um, it'll be good. Um, Joshua just says here, there are, other, there are guys like Gatland coming through who are seriously putting their hands up. Uh, yeah, Gatland has played very well this season at minor 10 cup level. Had a decent game or two at Super Rugby, but um, Gatland is definitely after the next World Cup. He's not before the next World Cup. 
um, kind of player. Um, and he's got to prove that he's better than um, the black first uh, at the Blues. Uh, so, I mean, Catlin's a long way off um, from that. He's, he's at least a couple of years, personally. So, uh, th- yes, but there is, I mean, we do have Barrett, Sopawanga. Um, I've gone blank as the, the Crusaders, um, uh, oh, number 10. Know. Yep. Um, who are all in, there or thereabouts um, as well. So, but I think, um, yeah, I think Gatland is, is, is some way off. Uh, and is part of that sort of Black West, maybe, category. Um, he looks a bit better than West, but we'll see. Now, um, moving on then, the uh, we had those tries. We talk about Argentina. They, they were, um, the, they, the, that first, first sort of half hour, uh, ill-disciplined, fell off an awful lot of tackles. Um, I think there were something like um, 69%. They only made, yeah, 56% of their tackles. Um, 40 out of 71 that's a crazy number of tackles to be falling off uh, and it's amazing actually they didn't concede more than 29 points in that first half yeah it is actually and I mean they they were rattled and I think from that very first try that the All Blacks got um, when Reed went in, in the corner there you know I, I think Creevy wasn't leading the troops like he should have he, he was very emotional um, very very much picking away at the referee. Sanchez, um, my God, if I was the referee, I would have sent him off just for what he was doing off the ball. But, um, you know, it seems to me like they weren't prepared for this match. And and I think when you look at the way they played in that opening 20 minutes, um, you know, you, you could probably agree to that. Either they, were, they weren't prepared or, you know, I, I love passion. Don't get me wrong, but I'm, I'm starting to think, like, you know, are they getting too hyped for the game and, and are they relying too much on their scrum? You know, we talk so much about how great this Argentine, Argentine scrum is. Well, it wasn't today. Well, I'll, um, I'll come back to that one in a second. But, yeah, I'm just, just reading my notes here. Um, and it, was, it was a harsh yellow for not wrapping arms, which I think it was a harsh yellow, to be fair. Um, uh, on the, the the tackle and then also penalty count against Argentina and lost composure as they talked more about the ref than playing the game Sanchez especially needs to have a cooler head so yeah exactly they, they lost their head around about that 25 20 minute mark 20 25 minute mark um, they were talking back to the ref far too much and they were and they were feeling persecuted and that meant they forgot about the game um, and they were just talking to the ref too much um, totally agree I think they got their heads back in the game uh, in the second half, um, but uh, and probably had a talking to by the uh, by the coaches, but they definitely lost their heads in that first half, um, which was a shame. The um, there was one moment of actually no, let's, let's move on to that scrum. There is t- certain teams get certain stereotypes, don't they? Um, yep. We have yeah, Argentina have this good scrum and not very good backs uh, and, until recently. Then you've got France. Oh, you never know who's going to turn up on the day. Georgia had good scrum. Now, I don't think that the Argentinian stereotype works anymore. I don't think they are a scrummaging country. Yes, um, they have been in the past, but I think over the past couple of years, that scrum hasn't been that great. Um, they've, I think they've come up unstuck in the scrum against the Springboks as well. Uh, I don't think it was dominant. Uh, it didn't dominate the Australian scrum. The Australian scrum is not anything special. So I don't think that the Argentinian scrum is any good at the moment. Uh, and I don't think it has been for a couple of years. I think they are concentrating on their back play uh, and this... I, and, when I heard the commentators before the game saying, 
oh, will Argentina revert to their traditional style of play or will they continue with the style of play they've been playing for the last two years? It's a no-brainer. You don't switch after two years of playing one style immediately back to another. You know, you, you raise a really good point there, especially in the opening bits you said in that, in that statement there. Um, you know, and I, I don't want to be negative on this show, and I'm, I'm trying not to be, but, you know, where do, where do those labels come from? Once again, the media. And, and, you know, I don't want to get into that, but it's just I'm seeing more and more and more in rugby coverage where the so-called experts are... I'll get on to what Argentina need to do, but the so-called experts are just so out of touch with what is actually happening um, in, in a team environment. What's happening in Argentina and rugby is, in the moment is that there's a change happening, the deal's done, um, new coach will be in probably before the end of the year tour, and, you, you know, you're exactly right. They need to focus on their back play, that elusive, like, you know, risque, sort of throw it all to the to the win style of rugby. Um, and if they can do that and, and do it at a fast pace, they're gonna they're gonna match this all black team. They're not gonna beat the all blacks um, relying on that scrum. And the scrum hasn't worked against any team this year. No, I agree. Um, and they, they have switched from that and as you say, they decided when they joined the rugby championship that the, the scrum wasn't the way to go. They needed to use their back play. And we saw that in the in the 2015 Rugby World Cup. So yeah, it's been a few years. Uh, they do need to short their scrum though. It needs to at least at least have parity. Um, and that has been a problem um, seriously along uh, this. But um, yes, so, so that's that's so we, that's what we saw. We, and then in the second half, I think this, actually the comment they put it right is that the um, Argentina made it into a dogfight, and the All Blacks didn't really know how to deal with that. No, they didn't. Argentina found, you know, th that passion and energy that was lacking in the first half, and I think you could probably put that down to what the message was at half time. I thought um, their replacement halfback, forget his name, um, had a massive Lundau. yeah, Landau, yep. massive impact on the game. Um, he was calm. Um, whereas most others in the team weren't. But, you know, the All Blacks, they tried to do too much in that second half. And um, I thought Barrett had a shocker in the second half, actually, with some of the passes that he threw, um, not just him. But, yeah, it's um, I thought Argentina won that, that second half, really, when you look at it. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I agree. They did. They definitely won that second half. I think there were a couple of things. And something we saw in the last year um, at the beginning of the Welsh Tour, again, was uh, the All Blacks not earning the right to play. Uh, and we saw that again uh, this time is that they didn't, re they didn't re react to Argentina not committing at the ruck and therefore having 14 men on their feet. Um, and they thought they could just go wide and spread it. You can't when you have to suck some defenders in. You have to create some space somewhere for, for your players. You can't just keep doing that. Uh, uh, so I think that was that was part of it. Um, the yeah. uh, the Joshua was saying, yeah, Lions did the same thing that Pumas did, um, make it scrappy, attack the rucks, rush up and force errors. Yep, and that's uh, I, I think. But in the first half, there were definitely still passes going to grass, but the difference was um, that uh, that it bounced and um, uh, or someone else was was there to pick it up. Um, Prak two suggesting that I'm sandbagging him or, or ignoring his comments about Argentina having. And strange rules concerning safety, and now I think that their tackles are fine. I don't, I don't, I'd, um, yeah. I don't think it was particularly there was there was anything um, untoward on the whole from uh, or anything dirty. 
uh, going on. There was a bit of scuffles in the game, but nothing, um, nothing too big. Uh, unlike um, the South African game, um, which we'll t which we might have time to talk about at the end. But the I've lost my train of thought. That's where I was going now. Um, but uh, yeah, in the first half, it's in the the, the the pass that hit the grass. Someone else was there. In the second half, there just wasn't someone there, uh, and it got very scrappy. I think we're going to be talking a lot about the the attitude of the All Blacks in the second half. And again, I don't want to be negative, but I, I like to be as honest as I can be in these shows. I'm just reading a tweet here from somebody. I'm not going to mention their name. They're very well known. But I think it's a very arrogant thing to say. The All Blacks have looked bored, and that's what happens when you're playing against yourself. You know, we need to remind ourselves, ladies and gentlemen, that the All Blacks are not the only team in world rugby. You know, and I mean, I won't start that one. <laughs> I just wanted to add that into the show. Yeah, you know, they aren't, they aren't the only people. And, and we should also remember here that we are taught, that if you look at the, the, the pack, we had, um, we did, we, we were looking at second choice, um, six, uh, four, four, five, six, and seven. Um, so we had um, th those players on. Uh, we weren't playing Crotty. We had Ansel Brown in there. Um, and we had um, the, uh, and obviously Naholo was coming back when we'd normally see Dag, and obviously Dag's injured. Um, so maybe that's what um, Praktu was talking about, was the fact that they were uh, resting players for next week and maybe saving some things in the bag. Yes, this was a, this was a changed upside. But it's a changed upside that did well for 29 minutes and then fell apart. So you can't say it's just it's, it's down to changes. Uh, it was down to them not reacting to how the Pumas changed how they were playing. Yeah, it's down to a lack of leadership on the field as well. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I thought one of the problems with Argentina in that second half was they lacked width. Um, they played a lot through the middle, and it did get them some reward. But I think at times, that they, if we looked at their wingers, I don't think their wingers hardly saw the ball. I and mean, I think they should have mixed it up more. You can't just do the same thing over and over again. Um, and if we look at the, uh, uh, the, the wingers, I and mean, they have like a com combined... 29 meters running with the ball which uh, is less than either of the, the all blacks wingers because they just never they weren't spreading it wide enough they were just keeping it too narrow yeah yeah i think um yeah i, I think i'm having to say really to that cool um now obviously the the all blacks came back and scored a um a try at the end david havili coming on um yet another uh young exciting player coming through the ranks oh yeah and he deserves a shot. I, I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and say that he deserves it more than a certain Richie Moana because I reckon that's a crime that Havili's got in there and, and Moana hasn't, but obviously different positions. Yeah, really cool story there for for David Havili. Um but I think, you know, his his presence in this team will sort of be a wee bit, you know, one week and, and one week not. You know, depending on uh, he won't get a look in against the Springboks, but, um, you know, he's certainly up for that, the end of year tour if he can stay fit. So, And, again, more competition for Damian McKenzie, and, and we they need to decide what they're going to do with, with Damian because I, I just, I don't know, we, we labelled that to death today, but, you know. No, very quickly, I, 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 the reason that I don't think Wang has got a, a has, has had a chance is because they see David McKenzie, David McKenzie as the long-term nine. Um, but they're going to have a season with under his belt. So I think that's where, where I see him. Um, you're right. Uh, he's going to start off clearly as a fringe player, um, have to build his way in. But if you think about who's injured, we've got um, uh, um, 
Ben Smith is out for the rest of the season, isn't he? He's taking a sabbatical. Um, Dag, I think, is now injured for the rest of the season. Uh, I yeah. don't know if Geordie Barrett's coming back or whether he's, he, he was out for a long time. So you, you, there's a lot of players out. So um, unless they're going to draft back in Julian Surveyor or something, which I can't see happening, um, Havili could get a couple of games in before the end of the year. Yeah, I wouldn't rule out Savir actually. You know, I think he he could be into that that end of year tour. Um, but Josh has got a good question here: Are the All Black wingers picked for their def- defence and ability under the high ball? I actually think they are. You know, I'm 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 a lot more confident in a in a Rico Urani under the high ball than than I am a, a McKenzie at this point. But I think you know their speed, and it's not even about power. You know, if, if they're looking for power on the wing. You would have Naholo and Savia. And, you know, yes, Savia is not as fast as he once was. I think when you look at Ioane, you look at Milner um, you know, and Naholo. Naholo brings the, the power, but also the footwork. Whereas uh, Milner and Ioane are, are basically footwork and speed. You know, there's not a lot of power in what they're doing. Well, um, the Joshua match in the Argentinian wingers, but we'll come on to them in a second. But oh, I mean, the, the, <laughs> the, the, this one, the, the, the setup for the All Blacks has been a power winger on the left. And okay, Iwani is more than a power winger. He's lots of pace and footwork, um, but he, he, he's, he's not a small guy either. And then the, the sort of the fullback on the right in Dags, Smith, or, um, or Milner Scudder. Uh, um, and Naholo is really kind of a bit of a. Um, I actually thought for a while that he needed to switch to the left wing to make it into the All Blacks because, yeah, he's not an atypical right wing, uh, All Blacks right winger. Because um, we had before that, we had Curry Jane, um, and it goes back quite a way now, uh, to probably back to the 2011 World Cup, where they were looking for someone on the right wing who definitely was good under under the high ball. So, um, yeah, he's not the um, the archetype, but he seems to have still be getting in there, which is good. Um, on the Argentine side, having seen how the Hanky Warriors play, and these are the Hanky Warriors wingers. No, they're not picked for their defence. <laughs> they are picked for being wide players. Just Argentina didn't utilise them in the way that they're supposed to play, I think. Yeah, no. Um, I, I don't actually know a whole lot about these wingers for Argentina, so it's probably best I don't. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Um, any other points about the game before we uh, before we move on? No, no. I, I think, once again, we're still looking for that... Um, that better performance from the All Blacks. This wasn't this wasn't a terrible performance, but it, it was a, a good performance for thirty minutes. Um, you know, I think I, I've said what I needed to say on Twitter about about the leadership of this team, and I think the jury's still out on that. Um, but disappointed with Argentina. You know, I, I knew that that they that, you know they fronted in, in New Plymouth, but. Um, I was expecting better from them today, and it was, you know, really, really disappointing actually, especially with the the all discipline side of things. And Creevy was just not not a good captain today. No, no, it wasn't. Um, so, player of the match from both sides, um, to a certain extent, uh, you might go Landajo for for the Argentina. He brought a lot of composure when he came on uh, for the side and, and helped them. I know his substitute wasn't on there for the whole game. Um, I would have said Reed, except he got him and then picked up that yellow card. So, um, uh, so that, that so I think he gets um, ruled out. Uh, I think Damon McKenzie had a very good game from from fullback, um, and perhaps those two, perhaps um, 
Landajo and McKenzie would be my two probably players um, of the match. Yeah, I'd go Landajo uh, for Argentina. I, I'm not sold on McKenzie yet because he wasn't tested under that high ball as much as he probably should have been. So I'll go um, I'll go Landajo simply because every time this dude puts on the black jersey, he just he he's involved in so much and he really really finds a way to that try line. Probably a couple of players we should also talk about on the, on the quieter side of things. I mean, uh, Luke Romano, uh, 12 tackles um, was the highest tackle count um, for the um, for the game. Only missed one. So a lot of the unseen work um, done there. Um, Dan Coles was next with 10 tackles. Uh, so perhaps um, perhaps there um, and perhaps villain of the piece goes to someone. Um, uh, well, either um, uh, so one of the locks for... Argentina, obviously, one of them got a yellow card. Got four, four. Um, yeah. uh, gave away four penalties, um, or yeah. the prop that um, got him sent off because he could. The tight head prop for reserve tight head prop for Argentina, um, Herrera, who just kept on getting pinged at um, at, at scrum time. So perhaps villains. I'll put those down as being villains um, of the piece. There's um, this is probably going to take us off track, but there's a few very good comments here from Joshua, um, which I'll, I'll let you speak to. Go on, uh, which one's first? Um, well, the bottom three there, um, starting, all, starting with... Yeah. All the candles have been committed by, by members and the senior members of the leadership team. Um, okay, candles have been um, um, errors, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, Mike, you've been, you've been questioning the, 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 the leadership of these um, things. I think um, Matt Todd also picked up a yellow card, but he was unlucky. He was the... Uh, they, they couldn't see who, who collapsed the ruck. Um, and so they just chose one of the All Blacks players on the ground. Uh, it didn't look like it was him on replay. Um, all the scandals um, uh, by the senior members of the leadership team. Um, so, um, uh, yeah, it has been, when you look at some, uh, we're first talking about the game here, really, rather than that past indiscretions by Kano and Smith um, and, and that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think... Uh, and there are some stories I've heard that I can't talk about because it's all just rumour and speculation. I get sued. Um, but um, yeah, you got to say, I think the, the senior leadership team of the All Blacks do get protected by the press. Um, I do think that there are things going on that definitely don't make the press. So yeah, uh, it's um, the, they, they get they do they do get preferential treatment, um, however they feel. And yes, it comes at the cost of their, their private lives aren't entirely private. But um, as I say, I do think that they are the, the New Zealand press looks after them. And as you'll notice, a lot of these scandals come out in the Australian press, not the New Zealand press. And the New Zealand press are closer to these players and know more of what's going on, which probably lets you know as to how um, as to how well they're looked after um, at home. So the um, uh, so yeah, that's. It, it, but you're right; it is a lot of the uh, experienced players, some of the experienced players who have been getting involved in those scandals. You know, and I mean, I, I don't want to bring up Damien again because, but I, I think. Josh is right. A lot of these young guys are going to be sitting there thinking, you know, what the hell is going on here? And, and I mean, that's why I would not be surprised if McKenzie walked and went to Leicester. I, you know, a lot of people are laughing at that rumour, but I, I just think, man, give this guy a chance. Give him a chance. Like, don't wait for a season with the Chiefs. Give him a go now. And, and I mean, they did it with... Sopoanga, yes, Sopoanga had a, a whole season with the Highlanders, but yeah. Yeah, I think it's unfair putting him under that pressure, personally. Um, I think they get, they're playing him on a regular basis, 
which is good. He's getting his caps. He's getting his time with the team. He's learning the team and the ropes. Um, but hey, we're going to have to disagree. We have to agree to disagree on this one. Just, um, just on the, you know, this this stuff. Is it time that Neil West made some changes? Uh, this might be a rugby chat topic. You know, do they need to make changes to the senior leadership? Because two of them in the senior leadership group are in pretty serious uh, kaka, as it were. Um, that'd be right. This is probably a rugby chat question more than a um, oh, yeah. more than this one. But um, you're right. Uh, I, I, it's, um, one of the points made here is that um, Smith played a blindery against South Africa. I thought Aaron Smith actually here had a, had a good game tonight as well. Um, he, he had a lot of disruptive balls have to deal with, um, and he got it away quickly to pick, to players. So I think from an on-the-pitch point of view, I think Aaron Smith is playing well. It's his off-the-pitch issues that we're talking about here. Um, yes, I mean, on-the-pitch issues we have are... Does Kieran Reid know when, how to um, how to switch it up? Um, does um, uh, and he also and he also change things on the pitch? Uh, that's questionable. Uh, um, he is a risk take. He's seen as being a risk taking um, captain. I.e., he won't take three points. He'll always take the scrum. Uh, now, is that down to the fact not trusting uh, Barrett to kick them, or is that a, a team philosophy point of view? Don't know. Uh, but he's definitely seen as that. But it doesn't seem to, be able to alter things on the pitch without the cap. Without uh, we we to wait till half time. Mm. Um, which is not what you want to be seeing from uh, from your leadership team, but there are a lot of teams that are like that. Unfortunately, yeah. uh, it's not the all, the All Blacks don't um, aren't the only ones in that situation. Uh, and then after that, who else can step up? Um, and Sam Kane wasn't there today. He I think he is seen as being the next leader elect. Um, that's how, how I see it. Uh, Barrett, um, I likes to play by the seat of his pants. I'm not sure he's a sworn who is not a Dan Carter who takes a game by the scruff of the neck and. and controls it and puts the kicks in the right places uh, and he is not a, a general style um, fly half so you can't expect it from him. Ben Smith who is the uh, vice captain is out on sabbatical so we're missing him um, Now he does lead the chief he does lead the Highland as well I think um, so maybe he is a big loss from a leadership team point of view uh, and um, but yeah those are the sort of uh, so I think yeah I think Ben's, Ben Smith is probably a big a big loss uh, in supporting that um, I'm not sure how vocal someone like Retallick would be, um, whether he's someone who just enjoys being a player rather than being a sort of one of the leaders. I don't know the guy very well, uh, or at all, to be honest. <laughs> um, so, um, but um, yeah, Whitelock is not. Yeah, Whitelock's a good leader, but again, miss, was, was missing in this game. Uh, obviously, leader of the of the Crusaders. Yeah, yeah, very interesting game. That's for sure. <laughs> cool. Right. Um, did you see the other uh, the, the 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 drawn game between uh, the Springboks and uh, the Wallabies? Yeah, I saw the the result. Didn't actually watch the game, but I've seen a lot in the last hour or so about Israel Folau and the the hair pulling incident. So I think there'll be a lot more on that to come. Yeah, so I've I watched the replay this morning, um, and um, the first I'll just quick quick run through of the game. The first half, um, uh, Australia um, basically sucked up the pressure, and the uh, the the Springboks had all the possession, uh, but couldn't uh, couldn't execute the first attack. The Wallabies got. And the Wallabies took actually Wallabies took points when we had penalties early, um, and then the Wallabies got a try. Um, and it was it, it was initially the game looked like it's going to be reminiscent of the All Blacks game against the Springboks, where they would have lots of pressure, play quite well, but actually just get sucker punched all the time. Um, and this uh, and, South Africa, and Australia did that initially. South Africa did manage to um, get on the board uh, and, and get a try before half time. Uh, and if we look at the, the stats, um, the Springboks kicked the ball about half as often. Uh, I think it's like something like thirteen or fourteen times compared to the, like the All Blacks in, that, in this and the and the um, 
the Pumas who are kicking like 23 to 26, I think it was, kicks from hand. So the, 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 um, the Springboks really played with ball in hand. Um, in the second half, uh, lots of people were, play, were falling off tackles on both sides, especially Australia, and we had a basically we had a bit of a ping pong of tries uh, that, um, uh, that that got us up to uh, to like the, the mid twenties, uh, and then we had a kick each, um, which saw um, which saw the draw. Um, basically, South Africa playing a bit of an offloading game um, in this, and um, which which we saw, uh, and they were playing uh, Khaleesi wide, um, and event eventually that that paid off with him running over. A player to get one of the tries but as you say the big talking point is going to be um, the grabbing of the hair uh, and what happened afterwards yeah just on on the spring box i think and the wallabies actually it's a real shame that this was a draw um, because i think we both expected well we all expected a lot of improvement from both sides this year um, up until two weeks ago, I would have said that the box had actually had a really good year. Um, but the way they, by the way they played, by the sounds of this game against the Wallabies, I think you know this doesn't doesn't bode well for the the match next week. Um, but yeah, the Wallabies, short of that, you know that that performance in Dunedin, another pretty bad season for them so far. So. Um, they're going to have to make a statement next week against the Pumas. And, yeah, I think there's still an, uh, a lot of issues going on around the spring box in terms of, you know, stuff that's actually happening off the field politically. And, uh, that, you know, that's having an impact, clearly. Yeah, and, I mean, both these sides, let's say we have tackling down in the 70s. Um, the, uh, and there, there are, there, I don't think we're getting the... I mean, Ryan Cumbrink should be playing on the wing for the um, Springboks. We definitely, uh, and I'm supposed it's sort of Van Rensburg isn't in there as well. Um, so yeah, I do agree that perhaps that, uh, that the Springboks aren't picking their strongest side uh, at the moment. But they were good until they got to try and score, and then they ended up um, turning over the ball. I mean, they turned over the ball 11 times in this game, which was um, which was way too many um, for for um, their, their style of play. Um, some of the um, comments that. Um, that, yeah, that, that's no one wanted to wrap the ball carry in the second half. So many offloads, quick runs with ball were, po were posted up. Um, yep. and it, yeah, it was there was lots of that going on. Uh, the uh, I don't, I'm, I'm sure I agree with Pat that the box looked terrible. Um, I think they looked good until they knocked it on, they didn't like, but they didn't, like, they didn't have the consistency there. Um, yeah, there's a bit of a bit of a clash, I think, in ideals about how they actually want to play. Uh, a lot of people want to see the box play like the Lions did. Um, but I think, you know, there might be some of the coaches that aren't so keen on that. So, you know, they need to sort out what kind of team, what kind of style they want to play. And um, if they can do that and, and make the right selections, you know, they could definitely be a force of world rugby once again. Yeah, they could. All right, let's talk about the hair pulling incident. Um, the way I saw it was that, yeah, that um, I mean, the guy had long hair. Uh, and the way I saw it was that um, Flower basically got his hair and the guy's collar at the same time. He came off the collar and, and, and then pulled the hair. So to me, um, yeah, it was a bit, uh, yeah, he shouldn't, um, yeah, he did pull the hair, but I think he was gone for the, going for the collar. If it's someone, uh, I think it was about the, if the guy could um, have uh, tied his hair up nicely, it would have been better. The, um, and uh, then afterwards, Elizabeth comes in and throws him to the ground and gets all over him and, to me, I think both Flau and Elizabeth should have been yellow carded. Elizabeth, um, really, for the captain to come in 
and get involved in retaliation like that is out of order. Um, that was definitely wrong. Um, so I do I do think that that's something that um, uh, I think they both should have gone 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 to the bin at that game that stage. You're, you're totally right. You're, you're totally right. And we saw some of that today in the All Blacks game as well. But and, but you know, NCBF reminds me a lot of Brody Vitalik. You know, always no disrespect, but always looking for a fight. And you know, when you're going to say, "Hey, dude, enough is enough," you know. So I mean, I've seen games where both Vitalik and NCBF have come in from like at least. 10, 20 meters away, just to just to throw you know a punch or a shove, you know it's yeah. Um, practically, sorry, Paul, they were terrible at home uh, back against the wall. They should have won that. And he's talking about the Springboks there. Yes, the Springboks should have won it. Um, but um, as I say, I think it was down to errors uh, and lack of skills. Um, I wouldn't say they were absolutely terrible, um, but I do agree they should. This was a game that I ha I was backing them to win um, by a narrow margin, and they should have won it, and they needed to win it. Uh, this was a must-win game for both, and with both sides drawing, uh, you've got to say it's, a, it's both sides are going to be disappointed um, with that result, uh, which is some people term like kissing your sister is a draw, um, which I always find amusing. Which was frontline news that the All Blacks had won the rugby championship was on the front page of every news site in New Zealand this morning before the All Blacks had even kicked off against Argentina. So, you know, we're talking about attitude and arrogance. Boy, oh boy, you don't need to look very far to find out where it's coming from. Um, Max Dobson, uh, Coetzee should be um, sacked already. Um, yes, he uh, is in trouble. Um, uh, he isn't doing very well. And with his, I think it's the, the assistant scrum coach or assistant forwards coach heading off to Munster to be their new head coach. Um, you've got to, um, got to worry about where the uh, Springboks are going because it's been their assistant coaches that are coming this year that have actually shown the that have been the reason behind the improvement um, going into this one. Cool. Um, I think I've said everything I want to say. Yeah, yeah. I know I've got nothing more, more to say. I feel as outspoken as usual. So I'll let you no. wrap up. Thank you very much for your time yet again. Um, and why don't you let people know where they can uh, hear your outspoken thoughts out um, when you're not on the uh, uh, the Hashtag Chat pod podcast. Oh, mate, you have no idea. You can find me on Twitter um, at Real Mike Pullman. And uh, also, I've just launched a new creative advocacy studio, Team Pullman. So um, go to www.patreon.com forward slash Team Pullman uh, and, and see what we're up to for, for less than the price of a beer. Fantastic. And uh, advocacy for what, though? Come on, let's let advocacy people know who are, who are listening, listening well, to the show. Social justice, really. Uh, disability, disability rights, human rights, anything that smells like shit, we're going to stand up for. Oh, dear. And we've uh, got the square word in just at the end. Fantastic. Um, thank you for your time, Mike. Um, I'm Paul, the guy behind Driving Mall. Um, don't forget, you can catch me on Twitter at Driving Mall. Uh, do subscribe to the YouTube, show, YouTube channel to get more live shows. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, please. And do share this with your friends who want to catch up on the Rugby Championship over the weekend. Mike and I will be back. Well, I think I'm assuming. I think not actually awesome yet. But I'm assuming Mike and I will be back on Tuesday evening at 8 o'clock with the Hash Rugby Chat show. Um, and... Uh, which will be live on YouTube at 8 p.m. or on the podcast so you can listen to it on your commute to work. Thank you very much and catch you all later.